Welcome to the Teacher Rockstar Podcast, the podcast that's dedicated to providing valuable insights, practical tips, and proven strategies to equip new teachers for success. I'm your host, Steve Hiles, retired educator, published author, and instructional coach. Join me in each episode as we offer a supportive platform for navigating the challenges of the teaching profession. In today's episode, we're going to be discussing the book, Habits of Resilient Educators by Dr. Lindsay Prendergast and Piper Lee. Before we get started, I'd like to share a little bit about both of our special guests today. Dr. Lindsay Prendergast has served schools and districts across the globe for nearly two decades as a leadership coach, principal, counselor, and special education teacher. She currently supports school and district leaders in one of the largest districts in the nation as an embedded leadership coach for NWEA. Here she partners with schools to facilitate differentiated experiences designed to elevate leadership capacity across the system. Lindsay is also a framework specialist for the Danielson Group, an ASCD emerging leader, a fellow with the Association for the Advancement of International Education, AAIE, and she supports schools in their improvement journeys as a leader and team member of accreditation reviews with Cognia, formerly Advance Ed. Piper Lee has over 25 years experience in education, including teaching, administration, instructional coaching, professional learning facilitation, and leadership coaching. Her passion for student and adult learning, improving effective teacher instruction, and student success in learning ignited her pursuit of working as an instructional leadership coach nationally. Over the course of her career, Piper has served students, families, teachers, leadership teams, and undergraduate students, as well as graduate students. Most recently, Piper, alongside her NWEA colleague and co-author, Lindsay, has been supporting district leaders, principals, and educators in one of the largest school districts in the country. And I want to welcome both of our special guests today, Dr. Lindsay uh, Prendergast and Piper Lee. We'll be talking about their book, Habits of Resilient Educators. Welcome to the show, Lindsay and Piper. I am so excited to have you both on here today. Super excited to be here, Steve. Thank you. All right. All right. Uh, Would you both like to take a moment to, you know, talk to our audience about your educational journey? Absolutely. Piper, do you want to start, Piper? Yeah, I would love to. Um, I actually, uh, both of my parents were educators. They were both professors in education. Um, I remember as a kid sitting around the table listening to them uh, talk, teacher talk. <laughs> um, and so I wasn't really sure I wanted to go into education, but I love kids. Um, I remember playing school in the basement of our home. Um, I love children's books. I loved reading uh, children's books as a student and then also as an adult. And I just could not avoid being an educator. And so um, I have been in education for about 27 years. I was in the classroom for um, over 11 years um, and have been in some uh, instructional leadership roles. Um, I have a real passion not only for academic uh, achievement and growth, but also the whole child and the whole teacher. So some of that social emotional learning as well has been uh, one of my passions um, as an educator um, and as just uh, a human. So I think, you know, education, we think of it a lot of times as uh, data and testing and instruction and standards, but really um, there's a whole lot more to it. And I just love all of it. Oh, outstanding. 
Fantastic. Lindsay. Sure. Yeah, I'd love to jump in. Thanks. Um, I had a little bit of an alternative path to getting into education, actually. I started out thinking I might go more towards the the higher education route and kind of had a calling, actually. I was in a situation where I was substitute teaching and realized I had the fortune of that experience, if you will, to just see that that was something that I felt called to do. It was just an incredible experience as a substituting long-term in a special education classroom. So I went on to pursue a uh, master's degree in that and then delved into that field. And the rest is really history, honestly. But I think it's one of those things people say, when you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. That's right. That's how I feel about education. <laughs> honestly, it was just one of those fortuitous circumstances that I ended up in that situation. It found my, my career found me. Um, and so I feel truly fortunate. And then another side to that, too, though, is school was very easy for me as a child. I love school too. My brother, on the other hand, did not. He had a pretty unpleasant experience in school. That shaped the way that I think about education too, in that sense that a lot of educators enjoyed school, but a lot of children have unusual circumstances that they don't have the best experience. So we got to really um, approach it with that lens too, that it's not just like, not everybody's like us. Absolutely. That was awesome. Thank you. Thank you both for sharing. You know, this podcast primarily reaches out to new teachers, but that's not to say we don't have seasoned ones as well, you know. So for the new teachers, my first question is, for new teachers entering the field of education today, okay, how does the research presented in Habits of Resilient Educators offer practical insights and guidance that can significantly benefit their professional journey and help them navigate the challenges of their early years in education? I love that you started with that question, Steve, because that is really an audience that we thought about a lot when we were writing this book. I think Piper and I both benefited greatly from particular mentors and experts out there that guided our journey in our early careers, too. So we thought a lot about that. But we've also spent the past three years working on a project together where we've been coaching leaders and teachers in the same school district day in and day out. We've clocked it out that we've probably done over 3,000 instructional rounds during that period of wow. time. So we've seen a lot of breadth of experience and uh, different practices and approaches. And we realized teachers have so much coming at them right now. There's so much information of how you could do your job. And what we really benefited from was the simplicity and the research background of experts that said, these are some proven, simple, narrow your focus type practices. So we really tried to distill the habits that we've described in this book down to a small quantity that are very practical, that are very applicable in the daily classroom environment, but when practiced with consistency are proven to actually have a pretty, pretty strong outcome on both the teacher's well-being, which is huge, um, but also student learning outcomes as well. Well, that's totally awesome. What are the key habits that are emphasized as essential for ed educators to develop resilience in their professional lives? So we really, um... Like Lindsay said, we've, we've done a lot of instructional rounds. We also, I think back to uh, Harry Wong had uh, the first six weeks of school, right? And so what were those habits in, in Harry Wong's book? We we reread and we talked and we chatted. We also read a book uh, called Atomic Habits. Yeah. And then also thinking about there's uh, the eight habits, right? Uh, Franklin Graham's uh, book on that. And so I think looking at like what are the personal and professional habits that impact our new teachers and then combined with all of our observations instructional rounds and whatnot 
I think really helped us to hone in on nine habits. Now, all of those, I feel like kind of, they merge together in places. So one habit that Lindsay did a lot of research and thinking was around the power of feedback. Mm -hmm. So the feedback that we give students, the feedback that we give parents, it's not just a letter grade. Um, what is the specific feedback that we give students? How do we give peer-to-peer feedback? How do we uh, make room um, and put down our armor for our supervisors to give us feedback so that we can learn and grow? Um, so that was an area that um, Lindsay was really passionate about. And I was really passionate about setting goals, <laughs> both personally and professionally. Now, if you're setting goals, you certainly need feedback. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And so <laughs> I think back personally on a time where I wanted to get healthier and I hired a health coach. And there were different areas that she asked, you know, what area do you want to work on first? And so she coached me through that. But I had to set the goal. And then I had to seek the feedback. Yeah. So you can see where the the habits definitely merge together and have uh, intersections, um, but they're very distinctly different as well, right? Another one, and then I'm going to invite Lindsay uh, to also respond to this. One of the habits that I was really passionate about, and and it really sits in that uh, SEL space, the social emotional learning as adults and for our students, was navigating uh, negativity. And so we find ourselves as humans currently in a lot of overwhelm. We've had a lot happen over the last four years. The tricky part in education is we had teacher burnout going into the pandemic. This is not something new. This was something that you would read articles in uh, all sorts of professional journals about the teacher burnout rate. A matter of fact, a good chunk of my career was being a mentor in a graduate induction program for new teachers. And the whole purpose for that was to make sure we would retain our teachers. This is pre-pandemic, right? So there's a lot that teachers have faced both socially, emotionally. There's a lot that they need to know from an academic uh, standpoint as well. And that has created a lot of overwhelm. So a lot of people are coming to the education uh, field, to the classroom, uh, in overwhelm and exhausted. And so uh, we dive into the difference between toxic negativity and the difference between me calling Lindsay and going, I had a bad day, right? Like it's okay to vent and be like, hey, this isn't going so well. Yeah. But it's that habitual habit of just getting stuck and circling the drain in that negative mindset. And so uh, things like setting team norms, setting classroom norms to help ground us in our norms. But we use feedback with those norms uh, every time we get together to check in, like, how are we doing with the habit of navigating our norms, navigating the negativity? Um, And so you can see where we could also then set goals of we did really well with this and we celebrate that small win. But in our next meeting, we need to really focus on everyone being prepared so that you can see where the intersection kind of weaves in and out through feedback, goal setting, and that uh, navigating negative uh, negativity through norms, right? So it's like they're very distinct and we give uh, strategies and have a lot of reflective spaces within the habits, but there's a, a lot of it where they, they kind of cross over one another. Hmm. Lindsay. Well, if I, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go go ahead. I was just going to jump in there, uh, Piper. 
you know, you talked about overwhelming teacher burnout and stuff. And yes, the pandemic obviously contributed a lot to that. But let me ask you this. What strategy in, in the book kind of addresses that? I mean, I, I'm sure there's, you know, and you may even get to it as we go on, but since we're here, uh, is there something that, you know, uh, it just jumps out? I mean, how do they combat that, you know? I'm going to uh, ask Lindsay and Leiter into our very first habit, because I really do think that sets us up for for the whole idea of what you're talking about around the teacher burnout. This was our our passion was to help support that exact question. Okay, thank you. So introducing the book in the first chapter is actually a, a habit of examining your purpose. And there might be an experience where teachers have been told, hey, you need to start with your why. And they look at you and think, well, I mean, I feel this calling. I want to help kids, right? This this idea of being, um, you know, supporting in that in that realm. Yeah. But turning that back around more on yourself and thinking, there's activities in this chapter, for example, about understanding why you chose the career of education may extend beyond just helping children. It may be that at some points in your career, it's just a job, and you have family of your own and you have a life of your own and you deserve to have balance in those areas. And we get put in a position a lot as educators, I'm going to lump all of us into this one, where society looks as us like saints Mm -hmm. and we're human. And so thinking about recognizing and reconciling the understanding as a new educator that you're coming into a career with a lot of demands by external influences, how do you navigate that with yourself, with your own understanding of what your purpose is and being okay with that? balancing that so that you can fulfill fulfilled by your day-to-day work but also fulfilled by your own personal enjoyment and your hobbies and your passions in that area and be okay with that so there's a little bit of kind of there's reflection activities in the book there's guiding practices that you can do with a coach or a mentor for example or in a professional learning community that kind of examine that as purpose evolves throughout your career so it needs to be circled back to often as well and it may be in a different uh, lens, if you will, at different stages. I'll add some other practices in here are kind of almost habits of of life <laughs> that you would say transcend. So prioritization is another one. When new teachers in particular have so much input of the school's initiatives, classroom management, children's needs, new curriculum, mm-hmm. parent demands, all the things, there's some research-backed practices around learning how to prioritize your time that can help you feel more in control. Yeah. Feel like you have agency and feel like you can be successful in managing what you need to manage when you need to manage it. And it may not be right now. It may be about putting it down the road, but you're calendaring that out. You're planning that out and setting yourself up for success. And that can help you just kind of take a deep breath and go, I have this. I've got this. I can do this. <laughs> so those are some snippets there. I will mention there's going to be a free study guide that comes with the book too that's accessible on the the book's website for Corwin uh-huh. that can give uh, any reader at any time that can give them another snapshot into a little more detail on all of them. Okay. All right. Teaching can be a demanding and isolating profession with educators often grappling with burnout, time constraints, and the need for continuous improvement. Envision a teaching experience where every educator feels supported, inspired, and equipped with the tools for success. Our coaching services offer a personalized solution to the unique challenges you face in your teaching journey. Through one-on-one sessions, goal setting, and targeted support, we aim to empower you with the tools and insights needed to navigate the complexities of teaching 
Ready to transform your teaching experience? Use the link in the podcast description to explore our coaching services. Take the first step towards a more fulfilling and impactful career. Investing in yourself is the key to unlocking your full potential as an educator. Let's embark on this journey together. Can you speak to uh, in what ways are the challenges addressed that educators commonly face and how do they propose, you know, implementing resilient habits to overcome those challenges? Yeah, I can start on that one too and then pass it to Piper there since I'm on. Um, You know, in that regard, we kind of conclude the book around resiliency at the end. Mm -hmm. And that was intentional in that centering that idea of that all of these practices collectively help you cultivate resiliency and resiliency in and of itself is not the result of somebody patting you on the back and saying, you know, just keep doing your hard work. It's going well, keep it up, go, 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 you know, yeah. and educators get told that a lot. And they, you know, maybe you're even told here, have a cupcake and a keychain is my favorite phrase. And that doesn't, <laughs> it's not yield yeah. resiliency. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Um, so there's some science in this piece and that concluding chapter that's rooted in positive psychology. So the acronym HOPE, um, and in that piece, it's kind of identifying the different aspects of optimism, perseverance, et cetera, mm-hmm. that are practices within themselves that teachers can unpack with a collaborative group, ideally, because again, that's a piece of a network and a support group um, that can really help you build that. But it is a daily intentional drive towards that, that it results in resiliency and being able to withstand feelings of overwhelm. Yeah, feelings of yeah. stress, the the toxic environment in which you may be surrounded, et cetera. So Pipe, anything that you would add to that? Yeah, I would just say as far as the implementation, I think we both reflected deeply on, you know, why have we been able to stay in education as long as we have? And it was rooted strongly in we had strong peers, we had strong mentors, we did a lot of professional learning on our own as well. And so our intent is that we not only discuss and give scenarios um, and the research behind each habit, but we built in uh, activities into each habit so that you, the uh, the reader can actually practice those. I think our heart's desire is that you would not do this in isolation. We are truly better together. And so as reflective practitioners, which educators are, this should be done in partnership, at least with another peer, a grade level, instructional leader in the building, so that we can we can truly get better together. And so again, those activities are woven in because it's about practicing it. You don't just read about a habit and go, okay, I got that one. I think I'm good. You got it now. Right? <laughs> like, no, it's about really practicing that, evaluating how you're doing on it. Um, as you move to another one, you might need to come back and revisit it. So the way the book is structured is, yeah, you could read it from cover to cover, or you could identify with your team, hey, which habit uh, do we want to set as a goal and work on and provide feedback for each other? And then, you know, you could read it, habit, the ones that you choose, um, you could read it cover to cover. But the intent is that it would be done uh, collectively. Um, We are going to be hosting a book study and, our intent is that we're not going to just do it, you know, cover to cover, that we really are going to break it down each habit and be a thinking partner um, with our uh, readers as well. So, you know, I think the field of education, there's so much. And the the thing that we really noticed was these particular habits 
are not necessarily grounded in like pedagogy and curriculum and standards. It is what is the difference in a teacher that is staying in education? What are those habits? How are they becoming effective and efficient? And it's not just about these habits. It's about how you implement them. So I love that question about how do you do that? We got to practice it. Yeah. And there are some activities to help you with that. Well, that, that's that's great. As a matter of fact, I was going to say, you know, uh, springboarding off of what you just said leads me to ask you again, are there specific strategies or exercises recommended in a book to help uh, educators, you know, cultivate and strengthen their uh, resilience? And if so, what are some? Sure. So I'm going to actually call Piper to share one that she led in a webinar that we hosted the other day. Just uh-huh. kind of describe it, Piper, because I think it's a super powerful example of what you were describing there. It's around setting team norms. Would that would you be open to that, Piper? Yeah, absolutely. So um, one of the things that there's like a kind of a seven step process in setting norms. And the first thing I'll say is a lot of things that we notice in our observations is that, you know, teachers may be asked to set norms. And so they make the list at the beginning of the year and it might sound like start and end on time. Right. It might be like, be prepared. It's not getting into that social, emotional, like human dynamics. How do we work together um, and truly uh, create what John Hattie calls is that collective teacher efficacy. That takes a little more uh, personal commitment and working through uh, different personalities. Um, so one of the things that in the activity is we talk about, we actually address like, have you ever had a bad experience in a team meeting? What was that? And why was that? And then uh, even having the the participant identify like, what did your body actually physically do when that happened? So we get into what I call the uh, window of tolerance. So is that throwing you out of the window of tolerance? We want to stay in the space where we can be creative. We can lean in and learn and listen and uh, be the best version of ourselves in a meeting. But there are things that, that may... I'll use the word trigger um, an individual. And so they throw us out. So if somebody is maybe expressing a certain way that is uh, maybe showing anger or frustration, for me, uh, physically, I will curl up my toes. You will have no idea that I <laughs> am freaking out on the inside. I will present like I am like a duck floating across the water looking great. What you probably don't know is that I've just shut down and the creative uh-huh. side of me is no longer in that meeting. Um, and so for me, when my toes curl up inside my shoes, that is my like, oop, you better lean in here and figure out why that just happened. So we actually have an activity that helps a team work through that. Um, so it's not even just about like, okay, we're going to start and end on time. Great. We're not getting into this piece of it. How do I show up and remain creative and stay in that window of tolerance? so that I can be the best version of me. We also then move into uh, what was the best experience you've ever had and why. And so it's really more around that SEL, social emotional learning um, and psychological safety of a team instead of the, we're going to start and end on time, right? And then the, uh, the last piece that we circle around with that is we must visit our norms every single meeting and identify where can we where was our small win this week what did we do really well as a team and what do we need to continue to focus on so that we all can show up and be the best version of ourselves so it's that feedback space it's the goal setting with it while you're setting norms and it's not just like i said it's not just 
We make these norms at the beginning of the year. It's really, truly, how are we going to rumble um, and allow ourselves to each show up? Um, and what do we need to ask of one another to do that? Hmm. Okay. I can add another if you like, Steve. If you yeah, like. sure. So I'm sure yeah, just thinking absolutely. about, um, because we are putting this study together. So here's an example too of something in that piece that in the book is, are there is a chapter around the habit of using data. Okay. And there's probably encyclopedias about how to use data in classrooms and naturally in instruction. So this is not a new practice, right? But when we specifically uh, think about new teachers and the prospect of becoming extremely overwhelmed by data, it's about how to help them understand how to prioritize. So one activity is conducting a data inventory. So identifying with your team, with your PLC, all the different types of data that you may have gathered in the week, for example. And you might find that you have a tendency to only always gather certain types of data about your students. And that can in and of itself create bias or support bias. And it can in, in and of itself also inadvertently direct teachers to only look at one aspect of learning, for instance. So then through that collaborative conversation, the group is guided to then unpack what other types of data might you collect? And that could be student interest inventories. It could be parent inventories. It could be mm -hmm. as a student attendance, all of the myriad different other pieces that we know that make a more 360 view of student learning, what causes it, where are we going next with it, et cetera, and how to be responsive to it. So guiding them through that piece and taking that from the results that they get, taking kind of one small next step, practice that. Now come back and reflect with your team. Uh -huh. Then the next step. And just growing in that skill gradually and finding out what works for you as a teacher, because it's not a matter of saying you need to learn all these skills now at all. It's about testing out, especially if you're an earlier career teacher, mm -hmm. what really suits your style and your interests and your needs um, so that then you have a toolbox to pull from as you grow. Yeah, that's that's totally awesome there. Then this leads me to ask you all this. How does... Uh, habits of resilient educators contribute to the existing literature that's available out there now regarding teacher well-being and professional development and what sets it apart from other books on a similar topic you know sure uh, and i'll start us on that again just where i'm on um yeah that one of the biggest i think uh drivers for our approach to this was that we noticed and not at all a disparagement but there are a tremendous number of books that are specific to pedagogy, what we would call pedagogy, right? Um, teaching and learning practices specifically. So using data, for example. Um, and then another series type of books, particularly in recent years around teacher well-being, as there should be, right? So how to feel better, essentially. But there wasn't anything that was really an intersection of the two. And that really is the intent of this book is to connect practices that are really what we call kind of habits of mind mm -hmm. to student learning. So how might we as an educator apply the skill of prioritization or the skill of data use or the skill of examining our purpose or setting goals, et cetera, for ourselves, but ultimately we are here for students. So how does that then cross over and connect to informing and influencing the way that we have an impact on student learning? Absolutely. Okay. Well, I'm going to ask you, what is the biggest takeaway, if you could just, the one thing from your book that you'd like to share with our audience? I would say- I know it might be tough. It is but. tough, but I think the thing that I really think of is that we truly are better together and that if we are working towards showing up and being our best version, these habits are going to just bring awareness, um, but it is when we 
we have one another and that you're not in isolation. The feeling of being alone and in overwhelm is definitely something each teacher that we've encountered um, is navigating. And so just remember you're not alone and that um, this work is to be done together. Okay. Well, any final thoughts? I'll just build on that too, Steve, to say that my mm-hmm. biggest takeaway I hope that educators get is ultimately is that teaching still can be joyful. Absolutely. I think we've lost that in our field right now. And so we are both what we call eternal optimists. <laughs> <laughs> so we just, I mean, if we're not having a good time, it is something must be really wrong. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I hear you. All right. But is, you know, taking these simple practical practices that, become routines that become habits create the space the bandwidth for you to feel good about your job again okay outstanding now let me uh, follow that up with now how can folks connect with you all sure so i say we both are pretty active on linkedin by looking up our names actually so Lindsay mm-hmm. Pendergast, piper lee and piper's piper lee sherman on there okay i still do participate a little in the twitter sphere although it's now called x um but yeah but i'm on there on lynn's Pren. And stay tuned, but immediately in the next coming weeks, if they Google our website, we will have a website for the book that is by the title of the book, Habits of Resilient Educators. And that's where we'll house things like the book study. Okay. Info about- well, that, that's, that's great. Uh, well, let me ask you something now. When, tell, tell us again, when is that awesome book going to come out? So as of today, Corwin tells us. <laughs> I'm still waiting. I know, I know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so the publication date, should be literally any day. So today is what, February 15th, 2024? Right. Uh-huh. We're told any day now. And I tell you, I'll email you the moment that we get the news. Okay, from there, great. great. It's in the warehouse. It should, if you order it, that should arrive within three to four days of ordering it. So, okay. Whew, I know. Right. <laughs> I know you guys are really, really proud of that. And, and uh, that, that's just totally awesome. Uh, looky here, I, I just want to thank you both again for taking time out of your busy schedule. And I know Piper, you had to run on down the hallway there, uh, but uh, <laughs> but I just want seriously, I want to thank you both very, very much. And you know, I, I'd love to have you guys back on again at some point in the future. You know, That'd be great. Hopefully, by then I'll obviously have a chance to go through it, the book, you know, yeah. in detail. So at any rate, on that note, I want you both to have an awesome day. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk soon. Thanks so much, Steve. It was a blast. You're very welcome. Thank you. Have a great day. You can get a copy of Habits of Resilient Educators by visiting us.corwin.com forward slash books. The link will be posted in the podcast description. Well, my friend, we have come to the end of today's episode. I want to thank you for listening to the Teacher Rockstar podcast. I'm your host, Steve Hiles. We'll see you same time, same place next week. And remember, my friend, you got this. The Teacher Rockstar Podcast with your host, Steve Hiles. We hope you've enjoyed this episode as much as we have. Make sure to hit that subscribe button and join our growing community of teacher rockstars. Until then, thanks for listening.